Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Chapter 9, verses 18 to 27. While he was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, that one of the ancient prophets has come back. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. But he strictly warned and instructed them to tell this to no one, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chiefs, chief priests, and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Then he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits himself? For he, for whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for a time of worship, for a time where we could sing the truths of your word and turn to you in worship and just sing how much we need you, how much we need to trust you and sing to you even, Lord, how hard it is to wait on you sometimes, but that we're here as your people waiting on you because you are faithful, you are trustworthy. And so, Lord, may these songs not just be words put into melody, but also the prayer of our hearts, that your word would be in our hearts that we could take your word and trust it and live it out, Lord, to glorify your name. Dear Heavenly Father, as we sit down to listen to your word, we pray and we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, your truth would resound in this place. That your truth would continue to sanctify us, Lord. And that we could also be empowered by your spirit to take that truth and speak it out to the people who don't know you, Jesus. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name and ask you, God, that you would bless this time together. That this time would not just pass by, but that this time would be meaningful. 
would be meaningful, Lord, as a family, as your people, that we would not take for granted the gift of gathering and singing and praying and listening to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Carla. All right. Before we jump into the passage and do some work in it, I just want to take a moment to thank our worship and production team. You guys... So I talked about this a little bit at our members gathering that like through all the ups and downs, all the changes we've gone through, through all the COVID stuff, they've just been uh, on their grind, killing it. Uh, In the background, they were here early. I was thinking about them this morning, you know, getting things going so that we could come and uh, listen to the word and be helped and be blessed. So we should thank God for them. And if you know some of them, tell them how much you appreciate them. All right, so I've labeled the message today a... Humble confession, I think it's coming. A humble confession and an honest word. A humble confession and an honest word. First John 2 says, the one who says he remains in him. Shay, could you back this up just a little bit? The one who remains in him should walk just as he walked. The one who, so if the person says, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm in Christ, the Bible says that we are to walk just as he walked. And here's the takeaway for our message today. The path Jesus took is the path we have to take. You're thinking about how you're going to live your life. That's what the scripture calls for. The path that Jesus took is the path that the disciple has to take. Now, a phrase that football players hate is the phrase two-a-days. You talk to any football player, like, what do you hate the most about, you know, besides being in a car crash for a couple hours, what do you hate the most? Two-a-days. And you're like, what's that? Well, two-a-days means for a week, sometimes two, you had to practice two times a day. One in the morning, you'd get a little lunch break where they feed you some sort of scraps that are left over, and then you come back in the afternoon, and you got to do it again. And let me tell you, it was hard. You were sore. It was, in a way, some real suffering. But you know what? When you ran out the tunnel and you heard the fans screaming, when you saw the the look on your mother's face, how proud she was that you, you scored a touchdown, when you made that big hit, when you sort of lit somebody up, do you know what it meant? Two a days was all worth it to go through that. Now, the reason why I give you that illustration is because this passage is going to tell us that when we choose to to take the path that Jesus took, it's going to be hard. There is going to be struggle. But when you get to the end, it is all worth it. That the struggle at the end, you're going to say, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I stepped into that path. This is a text that tells you, don't avoid the path that looks tough. Don't be like the culture who chooses not to take the narrow road. This passage says, take the narrow road because that is the road to reward. That's what this text tells us. It encourages us to walk this way, to take the path Jesus took. Verse 18, it says, 
while he was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? In university, I lived with a bunch of guys on the football team. Sorry, the basketball team. We lived in the newest residence on campus. And one of my roommates, his name was Joe Mensa. Now here's what I could promise you, that at least once a week, you would come back from class, and maybe practice or whatever. I didn't really go to class, so I was really coming back from practice. You would walk in, and Joe would be cooking jollof rice. And if, if you know some African brothers and sisters, ask them about it. It was blessed. I, I mean, the smell, you could, you could, when you're coming up the steps, you're like, that's my dog up there, Joe's putting in work. We're gonna have something to eat. Every week, sometimes twice a week. Now I'm telling you that because that was one of Joe's habits. That was a thing that he did. Now, when Luke tells you that Jesus is praying in private, do you know what he's doing? He's trying to tell you one of his habits. He's trying to tell you something that Jesus always did. And here's the thing, every time Jesus is about to do something important, this is what he does. He prays before the beginning of his ministry. If you go back, he's in prayer. Before he chooses his disciples, he's in prayer. Before he gives his life, where it says that he's sweating drops of blood, what's he doing? It says that he's in prayer. What, what Jesus models for us is that in your life, you should never do anything important without prayer. That, that is a habit to actually cultivate in your life. Prayer, you know what it is? Prayer is a beautiful act of humility. It's a beautiful act of humility. Prayer, what it says is that it says, God, do you know what? This path, this path is hard. This path, this following Jesus thing is not easy, but I am not going on this path alone. Prayer says, God, I believe you exist. Prayer says, God, I believe you're a provider. Prayer says, God, I need you. Prayer says, God, you are sovereign over all things. There's some things I can control, but you control all. And so I'm coming to you for help because you're the sovereign one, not me. It's a beautiful act of humility. Now you're thinking, okay, Marv, what if I've taken some pretty important steps in my life and some, I've done some pretty big things, but I didn't pray? And when I look at the situation, when I look at what I'm going on now, what's going on now, things are tough. Things aren't going really well. What should I do now? Well, first is, don't feel any shame. When we're, when we're on the path with Jesus Christ, we, there's missteps that we make. Sometimes we run ahead. So don't feel shame. God gives grace. There's forgiveness for that. The other thing is, don't struggle by yourself. Again, we talk about this all the time, that we are trying to be a little, a tight little family, and that means, that means you need to tell somebody what's going on. Talk to somebody in the family of God, so what? So you can get the support, the counsel, the help that you need. There's a show on NBC called The Wonder Years. You ever seen the, the preview for this? It was an old show, but they just brought it back. And... Whenever, sorry, on ABC, whenever you, you're sort of watching TV, this, this, this reminder just keeps coming up. The Wonder Years, it's premiering. The Wonder Years, it's premiering. September 22nd, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. 
And what it is is that they actually don't want you to miss it. That's why there's this continual reminder. Now, the, the way ABC does not want you to miss the, the wonder years, I don't want you to miss that Jesus was a man who practiced what he preached. You're like, what, what do you mean? The fact that he is praying, he practiced what he preached. In Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, this is him preaching. When you pray, this, we saw him praying, practice what he preached. When you pray, go into your private room. What did Luke say? He was doing it in private. Shut your door and pray to your father. We keep talking about the way we are to think about God. Father, who is in secret. And your father, there it is again, who sees you in secret, will reward you. Practicing what we preach. God expects us to pray. Notice the text says, not if. It says, when you pray. God expects us to pray and he expects us to practice what we preach. What does Jesus say in Matthew 23? Do not be like the Pharisees. Now you're like, why does he say that? Matthew 23, 3, he says, do not be like the Pharisees. Why? Because they preach, but they do not practice. They preach, but they don't practice. They say all kinds of stuff, and then they don't do it themselves. We are to be a people who practice what we preach. See, when we practice what we preach, it tells the people in our life we can be trusted. When we practice what we preach, it tells the people in our life that we have character. When we practice what we preach, it shows we're taking the path that Jesus took. And I want to take a moment right now, and I'm asking you personally and honestly to pray for me. Because one of the things I realized this week, and I know it all the time, is I get to talk a lot. I get to preach a lot. And I thank God for that privilege. And it is a privilege, it's not a right. But what I know is I say a lot of things that I struggle to do. A lot. And this week was such a reminder of that, that I preach, but sometimes it's very difficult to practice. And so I'm humbly asking you, just regularly, just pray for me. And anybody else, Jermaine, Shay, Pastor Yogi, Pastor Shaw, whoever is up here preaching, pray for us because we want to walk in the things that we say, but we are not superhuman. We don't have a sort of unique dose of the Holy Spirit. It is a struggle sometimes to walk in what the Lord says. Verse 19, it says, they answered John the Baptist. Remember, he asked them, he says, who do, who do the crowd say that I am? Yeah, they said, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, one of the ancient prophets has come back. So he, he's like, but who, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Jesus is like, I hear what everybody else is saying. I, I know what the crowds are saying, I, but I want to know what you, you, James, I want to know what you say. I want to know what your answer is, Samantha. He says, who do you say that I am? See, this question, what it does is it teaches us every single person in the world has to come to a personal conclusion about Jesus Christ for themselves. And 
Again, I said this a couple weeks ago. I, I appreciate how many babies are being born in our church. And I think this is a good spot to talk to parents, to say that the young ones in your life, you need to teach them this, that they cannot borrow your faith. That they themselves has to, they have to come to a personal decision about Jesus, who he is. And then they have to choose to take that, the path that he took to follow him and go with him, go the way that he has gone. And honestly, as a congregation, here's where, you know, those who don't have children, here's where we all come in. We need to make it a regular habit of praying for the young kids in our church that they would come to the right decision about Jesus Christ, that they would land on the right spot like the disciples did. Look at what Peter says. Verse 20, again, Peter answered, God's Messiah. Peter here is speaking for the whole group, and what he does is he, his confession, what it does is it shows us that Jesus is unique. Right, he's not some regular cat. He's not just, he is unique. The, the, the word Messiah means savior. And so the way you could translate this is the savior sent from God. Another way you could say it is the God sent savior. See, we should give thanks for medicine. We should give thanks for science. We should give thanks for technology and all the people who are believers and unbelievers who are working very hard in those fields to help us in life. They're gifts from God, but here's the thing. None of those things can save us. We give thanks for them, but we gotta have the right perspective about them. They cannot save us. See, we got ourselves into a mess when we chose to sin and walk away from God and we're in this mess, but only Jesus can get us out. He's the only one who can save us. He's called Messiah for a reason. I want to say, when you hear this phrase, God's Messiah, the one that's sent from God, you know what? It tells you something about God. It tells you that God doesn't ignore our problems. And some of us need to hear that right now. That he doesn't ignore, think, think way back to Genesis. Adam has a problem, right? Names all the animals. He's like, there's no lady around. And what does God say? Mm, that's not good for that brother. He's going to need some help. And he steps in and solves the problem. The pattern continues all the way through scripture. We run into a problem, God steps in and deals with it. We run into a problem, he deals with it. God does not ignore the problems in the life of his people. And as we said in the song, he cares about us and that we need to trust him and that in the right time, he will step in in his perfect way. And so we trust. He does not ignore. He is always aware and with us. Verse 21 says, but he strictly warned and instructed them to tell no one saying, it is necessary. It is necessary that the that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, be killed and be raised on the third day. So they give him the right answer. Then he's like, shh. They're like, huh? Shouldn't he be like, go tell everybody. You got it right. Get on, get, get on your ground. Go tell people. But he's like, no, shh. Don't tell anyone. And that's because... The people at the time, 
expected a very specific kind of Messiah. Right, you gotta remember, these are people who are under oppression. They're being held down. And so they're looking for a conquering Messiah, a liberator. That's why John, early in, earlier, remember we talked about this in doubt. He says, John the Baptist said, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Because Jesus isn't doing what they're expecting. He's not doing things the way they thought it was going to go. They expected a conquering Messiah, this liberator. Jesus hears this question and he's like, John, I am the one. I am the promised one. Notice that he calls himself the son of man. It's an important, important term, the son of man. What it does is actually takes you back to Old Testament prophecy. I want to show you, remember, I say this a decent amount. The Bible is one story. It's not just a collection of letters. and It's one coherent story telling us of this Savior that we need to come. So Daniel says this. I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like the Son of Man was coming. See it? With the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language, remember God's design is to gather all sorts of people together into the kingdom, so they should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never, never will not be destroyed. So this is what's coming to Jesus. Remember, the son of man. This is what is promised. But before this happens, there's a path Jesus has to take. There's a path he had to go, and it's right in the text. He says it. He says, he says I must be rejected. I must be killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus, what you got to realize here is nobody trick, tricked Jesus into what he did for us. He knew the path, and he took the path. He knew the way he had to go, and he embraced the way he had to go. Why? For the glory of God and the salvation of our souls. Jesus loves us. Jesus is willing to help us. Jesus stepped in where no one else could ever step in and did for it. He knew what he had to do, and he willingly did it. He says, yes, glory is coming to me. That's been promised. I know what is coming. Liberation is going to happen. People are going to be set free, all those sorts of things. But first, there's a work that I have to do. I have to give myself, and he does, willingly. And I want to say, the path he took is the path we have to take. The way he walked is the way we have to walk. Look what he says. So after he says this, listen to what he says. He says, then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Notice that the word follow is in, the, is in there twice. Follow me, follow me. That, that, that phrase in the Greek is in the present tense. And it conveys this idea of, of constant and ongoing. 
That this, this thing that we do is that, that we follow Jesus constantly, that we are walking behind him. And you're like, how do you do it? Well, you do it by what he says, denying ourselves. What he says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. What this, this is talking about resisting the flesh and following the spirit. This laying down of my agenda and embracing God's agenda for my life. And I want to tell you, and you already know it, this is hard, right? This is hard, amen? It's tough. Galatians tells us why. It says, you're like, why is it tough? Why is it so hard? The flesh desires what is against the spirit. And the spirit desires what is against the flesh. We are in this battle, internal struggle, this civil war within us. They're opposed to each other. So what? So that you do not do what you want. There is this battle that is going on. Sometimes you're like, why do people hurt each other so much in life? It's because of this. Sometimes you're wondering, why do people do some things that are so confusing? It's because of this. Sometimes you're like, why is there so much strife and struggle sometimes within the church? It's because of this. There's this battle that we are in within ourselves. But I want you to know that it's a battle you can win. Let me say it again, because it didn't touch you the way I wanted it to. I want you to know that this is a battle we can win. Let me show you. See, before there was Galatians 5.17, there was Galatians 16. If you are what? Guided by the Spirit. This daily choosing to take the path that Jesus took, this daily surrender, denying yourself, if you are guided, if you settle in and say, this is the way I want to live because I believe that going God's way is better than going my way. If I listen to the Spirit who speaks to my conscience and says, no, don't do that, Marv. This is the time to do this. Trust that God is going to bless you through this action. The text says you won't obey your selfish desires. Victory is possible. We can live the life of freedom. Why? By obeying and surrendering to the Spirit, trusting that God knows best. Trusting that when I obey, blessing is coming for sure. I said this in the Bible study this week with a bunch of people in our church, which was a beautiful time. It may not happen in this life, but it's definitely going to happen in the next. And so we follow the Spirit. You won't, you're in a, yes, it's a battle. Yes, the path is tough. Yes, it's a grind. I'm telling you, but you can win. You trust the Lord and you go with him. Then he says, take up your cross. You follow by denying yourself. You follow by taking up your cross. And what this means is not buying into the culture's values and ways of doing things. That's what it means to take up your cross every day. I'm a disciple of Jesus. A bunch of people in the culture are not. They do things that we cannot do. They say things we cannot say. They make choices we cannot make. They surrender themselves to certain things we cannot surrender ourselves to. And so we take up our cross 
And notice that it says daily. See it in the text? Let him deny himself, verse 23. Take up his cross daily and follow me. What's Jesus trying to tell you? Being a disciple is a full-time job. It's not a weekend hobby. And what he's showing you is that the words of Jesus shows us that discipleship is demanding. I'm not gonna lie to you. Discipleship is demanding. See, when we embrace denying ourselves, when we embrace taking up our cross, when we choose that, we are going to live different than the culture. It's gonna be evident that we are different. And that, that means that, that when we choose this, that our approach to fashion is different. It means that our approach to speech is different. It means that our approach to money, how we handle money, how we pursue money is different. It means our approach to sexuality is different. There's some things they're gonna promote that we're gonna be like, nah, we can't do that. And it's not because it's hate. Our approach to music is going to be different. Different. Our approach to business and the way we sort of carry out ourselves in sort of work world is going to be different. And you know what that means though? You know what's, that's, what's gonna come? Rejection. It, that's, that's just a true reality. There is going to be even persecution. You're going to be excluded. And Jesus actually tells us to be ready for this. Watch what he says here in, I think it's John 15. He says, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. He, remember, the path he took is the path we have to take. And he says, on the path, when you experience exclusion, when you experience rejection, when you feel that hate, he says, remember that it hated me before you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. There's a way we have to think about ourselves, our identity in Christ. Servant. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The title of the message was a, was, was a humble confession and an honest word. Here's an honest word. See, we should appreciate the honesty of Jesus Christ. He, he tells us what is to come. And, and what's really crucial, I don't have it up there, but before he says this though, do you know what he says? He says, I'm going away, but it's to your benefit because there is a comforter who is going to come. And that is speaking of the Holy Spirit. So in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the hate, you, we are not alone. There is a comforter who is to come, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so when this hits, when you're experiencing this, again, you're not alone. Ask for help. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you hold on to your convictions. When there's persecution, when there's exclusion, there's this temptation to not hold on to those personal convictions. Ask him to give us strength to endure. And then also wisdom for how to respond. That we don't respond in this sort of a hateful retali retaliation sort of way, but with humble strength and conviction and honesty. Jesus tells us the truth. And there's, there's, a, there's a thing in, in this for us to, to sort of take away. 
He tells us the truth, right? But we should be people who also tell the truth. And so when you're calling people to faith in Christ, tell them the truth. Right? Sometimes there's people who are they're preaching and there's this sort of like easy believism, just come, just give yourself, just lay it all down. They don't tell people the truth. That when you choose to follow Jesus, when you choose to go on the path, there is a cost to following. And then tell them another truth that's important. Tell them that there's the cost. And when you tell them that there's the cost, some people might be like, ah, that's not for me, never mind. But before they walk away, say to them, no, 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 no. Yes, there's a cost, but I need you to understand what you're in jeopardy of losing. Yes, it's hard, but there's something that you could lose and that would be far worse. Look at the text. He says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. He says, for what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? I remember I was, I, you, yeah, I, I, I share this with you guys, but like playing ball and, you know, my football career is starting to come to an end. It's all starting to fall apart. And I'm, I'm dealing with like big time serious depression because all my eggs was just in the basket of football and making money or whatever it is. And I'm struggling, struggling, struggling. Then my boy, Sean Fisher, who's, who I played basketball with, we went, to, we went to school together. Him and I used to sneak out of church together when we got bored. And he, I called him, I was way out in Nova Scotia. He was back here in T.O. I called him and I said, Sean, man, I'm in, a, I'm in a tough spot. Do you know what Sean said to me on the phone? Here's the thing, he wasn't even a Christian. You know what he says to me on the phone? He says, Marv, what would it benefit if you gain the whole world, yet you forfeit your soul? And it just, it's kind of like woke me up. This word that was spoken, look what Jesus says. You know what it means to gain the whole world? It means you have all the power in the world. It means you have all the property in the world. It means you have all the provision in the world. It's to have everything. This was actually what Jesus was tempted with, right? The path he took, path we have to take. It's to have it all. In verse 24, he says, whoever loses his life because of me will save it. You could translate this, whoever surrenders his life because of me will save it. When you lay yourself down, Someone's like, why would I deny myself? Why would I take up my cross? Why would I do that? Why would I choose to, ch to go on this difficult path, this hard road that this guy seems to be talking about? Why would I do that? This is why. Because Jesus says, in this life, without me, yes, you can gain it all, but if you don't have me in the end, you will lose it all. And so he's like, don't go down that road. Don't choose the path of least resistance. Choose the hard road because that is the road to reward. That is the road to blessing. Do the hard thing. Verse 26, he says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. See, like the mailman that comes every week, Jesus is coming again. 
that we are going to see him face to face. And while we wait, there's going to be storms. While we wait, there's going to be unmet desires. While we met, wait, there's going to be spiritual attack. While we wait, there's going to be struggle. And when that hits us, there is going to be a very real temptation. And the temptation is, you will be tempted on the path, in the struggle. We will be tempted to walk away from Jesus. But Jesus loves us. And so he says, don't do that. And you're like, how does he say that? He says, if anyone is ashamed of the Son of Man, he will be ashamed when he comes. What that word ashamed is actually capturing is that it's saying there are some people who will refuse to identify with Jesus. They'll say, I'm, I'm done with all that, or no, nah, I don't even want that for the first time. And Jesus says, those people who choose to do that, that refuse to identify with him, when he comes, he will not identify with them. And you know why Jesus says this? Because Jesus is honest. There's all kinds of people in our life who they lie to us. Jesus never does that. He says it because he cares. He doesn't want anybody to lose his life. You're like, here's, here's how the text sort of hits home in, the, in a practical application. This is a warning to believers. It's a warning to hold on to the faith. It's to say, you're on the right path. Don't get off the path. But it's also a call to unbelievers to say that you're on a dangerous path. And that if you stay on that path, that path of rejection, that, that path of an unwillingness to surrender, to lay it down, you are going to lose out on a beautiful reality. And so Jesus warns us. He's honest because he cares. In our house right now, I'm reading this book with our boys. Me and Kim are reading with the fellas called The Little Pilgrim's Progress. And you can see on there that that... That's little Christian. He's played by a rabbit. And little Christian gets this call and the call says, go, go to the, go to the city. Go to, run on, the, run on the path that everybody is choosing not to run on. Take this path. And as he gets on the path, he starts to struggle. There's all kinds, there's a, there, he runs into some, I think they're like badgers and they're like, nah, don't do that. That's a waste of your time. And I said to the boys, what should we do with that guy? And River's like, we should wrestle him. I'm like, yeah, he's not telling the truth. And then he, he gets into this like, this pond and it's like, it's, he's struggling underneath and he's, it's hard to get out and he's, but he's struggling along, struggling along. And then as he's going along, this little squirrel comes up and the squirrel's name is Help. And so he's down, he's discouraged. The rabbit is like, little Christian's like, oh, this, this is tough. Maybe I should go back home. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And the squirrel's like, no, nah, don't do that. Here's what the squirrel says to him. If you are one of the king's pilgrims, you may find that the road, the road long and hard. But if you keep on bravely, it takes courage to stay on the path. If you keep on 
bravely. You will come to the city at last. In Hebrews it says, here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. That is the city that is being talked about. The city where God resides, the city where the saints will be, the city where the, that people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will be together rejoicing, celebrating. He says, you will get to that city if you just hold on bravely. And then watch what happens when you get to the city. I was reading with the boys. I almost started preaching in the bedroom. When you, when you get there, I was like, fellas, when you get there, you need to trust Jesus. Because when you get there, what? You will forget your trouble. because there will be joy. You will forget the struggle. You will say, yes, I'm glad I stayed on the path. Yes, I'm glad I trust Jesus. Yes, I'm glad I walked the way he walked. You will forget your trouble because you will be so glad to see the king, your father who loves you, who says, lay it all down. Yeah, it's tough. I feel like my job today is to say to you, you have not chosen an easy path, but you have chosen the right path. And you should praise God for Jesus Christ who never lies to us, who's honest with us. He says it's a grind. He says it's tough. He says the flesh will battle you, but stay surrender. The path he took is the path we have to take. And it's the path that brings freedom in the struggle. It's the path that leads to joy. It's the path that leads to glory. It's the path that leads to life. This is the reward. And that is why we stay on the path, fully surrendered. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help. Help us, Lord God, not to go our own way, but to go your way. Father, we are going to take communion. We are going to sing. Communion is this beautiful reminder of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. This reminder that we are saying, yes, I'm surrendered. We're going to sing about laying down our crowns, laying down our agenda to embrace, embrace yours. Help us to do all these things from a heart that is surrendered, from a place of honesty. God, we need to wait upon you. We give you thanks, Lord God, for your honesty with us, that we're in a battle, but it's a battle that we can win, that we're on a tough path, but it's the path to glory. Help us to stay on it. Help us to be honest with the people we're calling to join it. We pray this because your son has given us beautiful and unlimited access to you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.